what is the Christmas movie that you have to see every year? What's one that you have to see? Never heard of that one. Huh, that's, a, that's a wonderful life, yeah? White Christmas, all right. Home Alone, yes. There's a commercial out with the mom now that's, that's really funny. She's in New York and can't find her kids. Um, the, um, yeah, the Christmas story with Ralphie, that was, uh, I saw that, I saw portions of that yesterday, lip-synced to portions of that yesterday. Uh, Christmas Vacation, yes, uh, that's, a, that's a favorite at our house. If you're like us, a lot of these movies seem so good the first time we saw them, and then we had kids to watch them with us, and we were like, oh my goodness, we can't watch that in this house. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, uh, some of you may, may know that we are not native Californians. Beth and I and the kids are um, from St. Louis originally. We've lived in different places, and one of our stops that God has led us to was um, in Alabama, and the kids were in grade school at that time. And there was uh, the drop-off for the way I would take them to school every morning. We went by this one house that we ended up just calling the Stump House. And uh, it captured our attention, and we thought it was kind of funny uh, because this, uh, this tree had grown up in the walkway, not the sidewalk, but the walkway from the sidewalk to the stairs that go up to the house. And when I say a tree... Like, it was pretty sizable at one point. It had been cut down, but there's this giant stump. And so I would tell other people about this. Like, you know, that, that house that has the, the, the tree stump in the walkway? And they look at me like, so? <laughs> and I thought, is that normal? I, I didn't think that was... And so um, I would try to describe it, and some people couldn't catch on. And so do we have the picture of it? See, it just blocked the view of everything this tree did. <laughs> and... It was, <laughs> sorry, we're, we're back to using the computer for the first time in a while. So imagine <laughs> this, this tree stump that is, is in the way, and it was sheared off at like two feet or something, and like the roots were buckling the sidewalk, and I don't know, maybe you could kind of shimmy by it to get to the stairs to walk up. Um, when, it, when it shows up, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. And so I I would go by there and I'd be like, how does this happen? I mean, I know how it happens, but w why would someone let this happen? It just seemed really strange to me. And, it, and I thought, did they ignore it? At one point, did they think that was kind of a cool feature? <laughs> yeah, there it is. So you can tell just by the stump, that was a, that was a big tree at one point, you know? And so imagine even with all the extra stuff, how hard it would have been to get past that, to go up to this porch, it's really kind of a quaint little house that I guess they just didn't want visitors. I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But, you know, like, did they have this point in time, you know, several years ago where they could have pulled it out <laughs> just by the roots, but they just, ah, just leave it. It's kind of cute, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to, we're going to come back to this and, and just a little bit. Um, but they didn't completely ignore it. They, they did cut the tree down, um, but no doubt it's in the way. And so we're going we're gonna to come back to that in just a minute. So we started last week, uh, we talked about Advent and how it's a part of a word adventure. And that, that is, uh, as we think of an adventure, we think of this journey. And it includes, like any journey, maybe a little bit longer of a journey than what we expected. 
And so a key part of Advent, the reason we come to this as followers of Christ, the reason we come back to this every year is really to help us enter into the story that the people of that day were in, and that is they were waiting for a promise, for the promised Messiah. They had been waiting a long, long time. In fact, one of the verses that we're going to look at was someone who talked about this 400 years before Christ actually was born. So this time of waiting, can we agree, sometimes that's exhausting. And sometimes in a journey that we don't know exactly how much longer we have to go, we have a hard time holding on. And so last week, um, the, the point that we were hoping to walk away with was that um, we can have, because of the Lord, we can have a strength in times of waiting with him that we would not have without him. And I didn't mention this last week, but I thought, um, I just want to throw this in real quick. Chances are pretty good you're within arm's reach of someone who has experienced that personally, that has experienced the strength of the Lord helping them in a difficult time. I think it's really important for us to share our stories. You never know, because the, there might be somebody next to you who is in the middle, and they are of, of, of this journey. They're losing their grip, and they would really benefit maybe from you sharing, hey, I get it. I've, I've been in those times where you just kind of wanted to drop it and walk away. But God gave me strength as I needed it. So week, week one was that. And then for this week, what I want us to consider is um, an adventure is one that we want to make sure that we complete. Nobody wants to tell the story about this awesome adventure they went on, but then they failed to complete it. So what does it take for us to embark on an adventure and to make sure that it comes to fruition? And Malachi 3 um, is the verse, and this is a, a, a prophet that was, as I said, was writing some 400 years prior to the birth of Christ. Um, and he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. This word prepare, we're going to come back to that. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. And he goes on to talk about how this time of preparation will involve um, like uh, silver being refined in fire or by a, by a soap that, that will cleanse and um, purify. And so this a key theme in this passage and also one that we're going to look at that um, Dave and Tim read from Luke 3 talks about preparing. And this is kind of the, one of the big themes of the second week of Advent. Um, this word prepare is one that, you know, when you think of making preparations, I don't know what comes to mind, um, could be making, you're making preparations now for, for Christmas. You are, you've just made preparations for one big meal and big gathering time, and now you're thinking ahead to preparations for that. Some of you might be making preparations for a whole new season of life that you're going into. This word prepare actually was a pretty vivid picture because it, it, was, it was talked about as an ancient custom of when a, when a town would hear that the king was coming their way, they would prepare the road to make it as clear as possible for the king to make it to their town, which meant they were going out and clearing out the big rocks. I can kind of see them maybe filling in some of the washed out portions of the road because they wanted the king to feel welcome when he got there. They wanted the full blessings of the king when he arrived. They were looking forward to the king and the prophet Malachi uses that same image, saying we are to prepare the way for the Lord. And so we're going to talk about that. What does, what does preparation look like and how important is that? How vital is that for us to finish this adventure? 
And really what, what Malachi is saying, it doesn't have anything to do with actually filling in washed out roads and potholes and things like that. But he is saying, how can we prepare our minds and our hearts for the ways that God wants to come to us? And yes, he was talking to a people who are waiting for the promised Messiah. But as we've talked about, there is also a way that God continues to come to us every day. He wants us to encounter him new and fresh. Um, he is active among us, and he wants us to see him and to join him in that activity. And so what are the ways that we can prepare our minds and our hearts so that we don't miss out on that activity, um, so that we don't miss out on the king that is coming with all of his blessings? Again, back in Malachi 3, it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Who is that messenger? Uh, we learned from looking at Luke 3, the passage that was read just a few minutes ago, that that messenger is John the Baptist. And this John is the cousin of Jesus. There's a John that also wrote the Gospel of John, that wrote the book of Revelation, that wrote some other letters by his own name, pretty big fan of himself. He named him after himself, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but this is, this is John the baptizer, or John the Baptist. Um, and he received this kind of nickname, so to speak, because he um, was this voice crying out in the wilderness, and he was baptizing people into this new way of living, uh, saying that the promised Messiah was coming, and he was baptizing people into that. So let's read just a little bit about it. Um, you may have noticed there were some crazy words in the first, Dave, way to go. I thought you did a good job reading some of those. Um, and what I've learned is when you get to these weird words in the Bible, if you say them with confidence, people kind of go, oh, okay, that's how you say it. And even though I, I, we, some of these we really don't know. But um, so you have all of these, these leaders and, and government officials and where they are serving. So why would Luke include that? Why, is that really an important part of the story? Well, a couple of things. If You may have noticed, if you were to ever read any of the prophets, Old Testament prophets, major or minor prophets, a lot of times they are in a certain setting. Isaiah says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. So he's giving kind of people a setting for that. And so Luke is, is saying, John the Baptist is a prophet. Just like these other prophets that have taught us so much, we have a lot to learn from this prophet here in the New Testament. And, and it's also a reminder to us, these, this setting was not a really good setting for Jesus to be born into. Um, it, was, it, it was almost like Luke is saying, um, in times when the, deck, when the deck is really stacked against you, <laughs> Jesus is coming. In times when it's really difficult and you feel like there is no way forward, um, this is what it's like. Now, we still kind of do something similar. Um, you may identify a key event in your life or something with a key event in your life. You know, I, you know, I went on this vacation. It was, uh, what year was it? I th uh, it was the year, the last year the Giants won the World Series. Or, um, or we say, oh yeah, it was when my grandson um, was born. You know, we, we remember things like associated with just the natural occurrences of life. And that's another thing that Luke wants us to see is that God comes to us supernaturally in real natural circumstances. It's not just in some wow big way. 
just in your, your natural day-to-day go-to, God wants to meet you in that. So hold on to that. I hope that gives you a sense of, of hope. Um, verse 4, um, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, and this was uh, quoting from Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Um, so John the Baptist is this voice in the wilderness, very much um, wilderness. Um, he was a really out there kind of guy from what we can tell and um, very wilderness oriented, lived in the wilderness, did his ministry stuff in the wilderness. It says, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. So there again, it's this word prepare. What do we need to do to prepare for the king who is coming to us? And as you can imagine, if filling valleys, um, leveling mountains, I mean, this is major excavation. Now, we wouldn't, you know, we due to engineering and, and modern technology, uh, we don't have to level mountains. We just, we have a tunnel that goes through a mountain. Uh, we don't have to fill in a valley. We can build a bridge that goes over it. But what I want us to consider in this is that's not a small thing. It's no small thing. And maybe your life is such that you just kind of have to have just a little tweak here and there to encounter all that God has for you. But some of us have to be open to the, to the fact that some major excavating needs to take place. This is not going to be something that just, by the time we're done with four weeks of Advent, okay, great, I got everything settled. Um, there's some stuff that I have to work on, that I've been working on for years, that I'm going to continue, Lord willing, and with his help, I need to continue to work on. And it's this process that we are engaging in. And so... Um, when I, um, I enjoy journaling, and usually for me, journaling is something that I do for the purpose of discovering. I don't come up with an idea and think, oh, I want to write it down so I don't forget it, as much as I go to my journal with questions and I just start writing until some things become clearer. And I've joked and said it's, it's about midway up the pen that I feel like maybe there's an answer in that much of the ink, and I just got to keep going until it comes out, and then it makes a little bit more sense. And so uh, I was thinking about that stump. This was back when I lived in Alabama. And uh, the more I reflected on the stump and the more I journaled, it became clear to me that it was a picture of my life. So I want to share with you some of what I journaled. It was like... Um, speaking to myself. Sometimes in the Psalms, the psalmist will, will say, uh, oh my soul, why are you? And the psalmist is kind of talking to himself. And so that's kind of the, the tone of this journal entry. I was having a conversation with myself. The stump is that one thing, that big issue that I've come to find out has been behind all the other twisted twigs and barren branches that I worked hard to cut out of my life. It started small, unnoticed. A seed just happened to land there, but slowly it took root. A sapling that I didn't deal with years ago, sprouting spindly roots, and it grew and grew and grew, and now it's in the way, impeding progress. 
impeding the life-giving presence of Jesus with me on the porch. And I pictured myself distanced from the God that I really want to be close to. I pictured myself actually on that porch. And I began to ask myself maybe the same question that those owners asked. Why did we ignore that for so long? Why did we ignore that stump? Why do we let it get so big? And I continued journaling. I only partially dealt with the true issues. My pride big enough to climb into the treetop to cut the highest branches, my will strong enough to saw off a few limbs, yet I'm still left with the root issues, that stubborn stump I couldn't pull out in my own strength. A stump still impedes progress. Even worse, the stump impedes my encounter of presence with God. So now what do I do? Do I continue to ignore it? Do I hope that God will ignore it? That Jesus will kind of give me a wink as he squeezes past it? How do you deal with some of these things that you know you need to deal with? What's your, what's your perspective on that? Do you have a stump? Do you have some kind of an underlying issue that, okay, it's been here for a while. I've, I've learned to manage pretty well with it. Uh, maybe nobody else even knows about it, but you know that it is something that is standing between you and a closer relationship with God, between you and the king who wants to come to you with all that he is and all of his blessings. How do we prepare to receive Jesus? If you're like me and you've got a stump in the, in the walkway, if you've got a stump in the stairwell, how do we prepare to receive Jesus? And the answer, I believe, is, is stated in verses 2 and 3 of Luke 3. It says, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. When we recognize that there is something in our life and we acknowledge that to God, we are, we are saying, I'm willing to open this door for you to come in and do a healing work in me. Um, we are making a more passable road for the king. Um, and to ask a mercy-giving God to ignore our stumps is asking him to do what he does best which is forgive. He is really, really good at forgiving. And so rather than saying, hey, uh, let me just, God, let me kind of explain to you why this is there, and I'm sure you'll understand. Um, why don't we just kind of lay that at his feet and say, I, I'm pretty confident you're going to love me anyway. You're going to love me through this. And he is really good at forgiving and I think it's interesting to say, uh, to, to note what John does not say. Uh, John does not say repent, and in this way the kingdom of heaven will afterwards be at hand. He's saying, right now, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We haven't done anything to deserve it. But he's saying it's here right now. So we're not clearing out stumps hoping to earn our way. It is realizing he is there. And he's got this great life that he wants to give us. So why would we want to keep 
that stump, hindering our connection with him. When we seek forgiveness, we are preparing to see Jesus and have him join us on the porch. And this is where the relationship develops. A couple other things that I journaled. Why would I grow content with a God on the sidewalk when I can have King Jesus seated with me on the porch? The stump impedes presence. What will it take to have my stumps removed? To be honest, I'm not sure I want to go through all the effort of having that stump pulled and my stairs cleared. I'd rather continue doing what I've been doing when stumps get in the way. Smooth them over. Removing stumps involves digging. Dealing with the roots, the beginnings, the unseen things. It's dirty and earthy and humbling. It isn't pretty, stump pulling. But when all the work is done, it clears the way for presence, for Jesus to join me on the porch. All the clearing and stump pulling begins with this. Confession. God, I agree. I agree to the stuff that has grown up in awkward places and prevented your presence. I confess that a stump in the walkway is a stump in the way. As I put these thoughts on paper, I realize perhaps the greatest point of all, and it's an ironic point, for every stump that blocks my stairway, God has an answer. Another tree. Jesus, you came to carry a tree up a stairless hill called Calvary. It was my tree with all its roots and clods of dirt still clinging to it. Jesus shouldering my tree so that presence would no longer be impeded. We have a very gracious and loving God who wants this relationship with us. And he invites us to consider, are there some things that maybe are in the way of that? In this adventure of life, there's going to be some stuff that grows up. And God says, let's attend to this together before it takes root. And maybe it has taken root already. And Jesus says, let me help with pulling this stump, with dealing some of these root issues. Um, we come together nearly every week around this table right here. This is why we have the chairs in a circle. It's to remind us that we are here because of what Christ has done. Not because we got really good at trimming our own trees, <laughs> but because we acknowledged he is the only one, really, that can pull that stump. He's the only one that can ultimately clear my way. And so what we do, really, is um, every week we come together and it gives us a, an opportunity to kind of examine our life over the last week. And instead of waiting years... We just got to look, what's, what in the last week, maybe, what, what seed maybe is starting to take root? Is there something that I need to invite God right now to clear out? Is there something just maybe really small? Hopefully it is, but is there something that, um, that you can invite God to pull up? Or maybe you want this time of communion as a celebration, that he has given you a fresh start that you have sensed his nearness with you on the porch. And so 
as a way of preparing for this meal, um, I want you to, to just kind of center yourself. And if it helps to close your eyes, to eliminate some distractions, you may want to do that. I want to just kind of guide you just over the next minute through um, this process of preparing for your adventure. And the first thing I want you to do is chew on this beautiful thought, and that is that the king wants to join you on your porch. Let that sink in. There's a God who loves you very much. the King of Kings, and He wants to spend time with you. And then secondly, as I mentioned just a moment ago, reflect over the past week. What stumps maybe have kept God at a distance? And then, will you let Jesus pull your stump up Calvary's hill? Let these thoughts kind of marinate as we prepare ourselves to come to the table. I'll pray, and as you feel ready, you can take the bread and dip it in the cup. King Jesus, may we never cease to be amazed by your advent, by the fact that you come to us to live closely with us and you keep coming to us day after day. Because of your forgiveness, we boldly approach the table to partake of the bread and the cup. And we say thank you. We are grateful. I pray this in the name of the King, Jesus. Amen.